Welcome back, everybody. It is the CFB Winning Edge Podcast Edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. We are brought to you by Campus 2 Canton. You can follow us all on Twitter, uh, at Bogman Sports for myself. I am joined, as always, by the man, the myth, the legend. He makes it all happen at CFB Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Follow him on the Twitter, at CFB Winning Edge. And Xavier Trish, father of the year, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E, on the Twitter machine. Gentlemen, I... Had a great weekend. Uh, my weekend was outstanding. I got to go see Texas win in the Big 12 title game. I sent you guys some pictures and videos. I got to see Vince Young. I got to watch a butt whipping. I uh, got to see it up close and personal. It was a lot of fun. And then the next morning, after eight hours of driving uh, Saturday <laughs> and going to the game and all that stuff, I got to wake up and watch my team get announced to go into the college football playoff for the first time ever, but it might've been at the expense of Nick's alma mater and <laughs> Xavier's favorite team. So I don't really think our spot hey, w- w- was that, but, and, and I'm not here to apologize. We made it and you didn't na 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 boo boo, you know, <laughs> so, but um, you know, it is going to be Michigan versus Alabama and mm-hmm. Texas mm-hmm. versus Washington to go to the natty in houston by the way no big deal where i live so um yeah i might be going either way so we'll we'll see but um yeah your thoughts nick uh we'll start with you on the committee's decision to leave out not only georgia but fsu who really seemed to deserve it um i think if you boil it down between texas and bama i think most people are mad at bama and not texas so that makes me feel good but uh i don't know this was xavier said it perfectly last week this is a perfect year to have 12 teams. And this is unfortunately the last year that it's only four. So, you know, next year we'll be able to solve it on the field. This year it's down to its committee. This is exactly a nightmare scenario that they didn't want. So, Nick, your thoughts on how it ended up and if you think it's fair and how do you like these matchups to start? Yeah, well, first of all, congratulations. Thank as, you. Uh, our resident Texas fan, glad you were able to, to – uh, get to see them up close and personal on Saturday and, and celebrate that. Uh, Xavier and I, have, we've, we've had our fun, you know, and, and I think we both uh, know not to, to get too upset about it. I, I think we're on the same page as far as Georgia didn't deserve. Texas, in my opinion, did. Um, and I am of the opinion that Florida State should have gotten that that. Third, so I, if I were to, if I were on the committee, what I would have been stumping for uh, was Michigan number one, Washington number two, Florida State number three, Texas number four. Um, I have said this on on our show before. This shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. Um, regardless of the you know direction of the committee and the like, quote unquote best teams. Uh, I, I am firmly in the camp of we should reward the teams who have earned it. Um, I think that, you know, uh, everybody's made all these arguments the last four or five days, so I'm not saying anything new. But um, I really don't care that uh, Florida State is less than 100% health-wise. I don't really care that they would be a 10-point or 14-point underdog. They're 15th in our CFB winning edge power rankings right now. I don't care about that. They went 13 and 0. They found ways to win. They won their conference championship. 
they actually covered in both of the games without uh, Jordan Travis. So if you're of which I, I don't agree with being on the side of like, oh, well, Vegas, you know, who would be favored over who that's who should be. in. no, I don't I don't uh, agree with that either. Uh, but even if you did, Florida State exceeded expectations in, in both opportunities. So um, I yeah, I, I was surprised at how bummed out I was on Sunday, like when the when the news came out. Uh I was I was surprised that my reaction to it was more sad than anything. And kind of the more I thought about it, the more kind of sad I got. I mean, you know, I'm not angry about it. I, I I just think it I just think it sucks, you know. And Florida State 13 and 0, uh conference champs. They beat everybody on their schedule. Um and I think it really sucks that, that they got left out. So uh, that was a, a major bummer. Um, and, you know, I, I guess it's a good thing that we're uh, switching it up and, and going to 12 teams next year. In theory, this shouldn't be as much of an issue if we're arguing over, you know, team 12 versus 13 versus 14. That's then probably not going to matter nearly yeah. as much. Yeah. Uh, probably not going to decide who who is or isn't going to be national champion. And Florida State probably wasn't going to win the national championship. But to say that they earned it, though, they earned an opportunity. I I think think so. I think so. And and, you know, uh, we can be proven wrong. Right. Oregon was a 10 point favorite over Washington. Everybody's like, oh, this Washington team. Yeah, they're they're fraudulent. You know, they were kind of in the same boat. They're still what, ninth or eighth or something like that in our power rankings. But um, but you know what? They they play the games on the field. They don't play them on, uh, you know, on the spreadsheets or odds makers uh, on the board there or, or whatever. So um, I, I, I was just really bummed out that it, it worked out as it did. I, I feel like Florida State should have been one of the four teams. I think they should have been the third team. And then I do think that Texas – uh, for the same reasons, you know, the, the, the games have to matter. Right. And they beat Alabama head to head. Um, doesn't really matter to me that Alabama got better from that point. Uh, I, I think that, you know, we, we kind of have to put the most stock into the games on the field, but now that the field is set, um, I'm trying to, you know, get past my feelings on it and, and just get back into, uh, the numbers and, and what do they say? And these are the four teams who get the opportunity. So whoever wins at this point, in my opinion, will have deserved it. I'm not going to, you know, be really stumping for, for Florida state from this point forward. But, um, yeah, I was just, I was just bummed out that, that Florida state, uh, got left out. Yeah. And I, and I completely agree with that. So it, it was, they earned it. Yeah. And I know that they had in the bylaws and all that stuff that it was, written up that they will take into consideration the health of your team. But I don't know, man, Florida state seemed to really earn it to me. So I was just surprised. What do you think about that by law, whatever stuff? Yeah. I, I think that they, they changed their decision-making process, right. You know, for, for the first, however many years, um, even though it is written, you know, best teams or whatever, they, they went with the most deserved. And so the results of, of what ended up happening this year, it seems that they they changed their process. 
Um, and you know, I just, I just disagree with it. Uh, and so anyway, it's not, it's not, I guess at this point worth worrying too much about, but, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a bummer. Yeah. You're not going to be like, uh, Oh, I still think FSU is, should have been in there and all that stuff. Right. Right. And, and you mentioned it at the very beginning that this is sort of the first, uh, real, decision i mean they're you know yeah i mean a couple of of close calls but for the most part nothing this dramatic somebody who's gonna be left out and crying regardless of you know who didn't get in if texas didn't get in if bama didn't get in whoever was gonna be huge crybabies so it's not a surprise that florida state is upset they should be upset they got hosed i agree so i agree uh xavier your thoughts on who got hosed here did fsu get hosed or are you on the committee side of Let's get the four best teams in here. I don't care that Florida State won all their games. They didn't play anyone good enough and all of that. Where do you fall on that line? You're you're good for a controversial opinion. So um, it, it, this this one you're not gonna get me controversial. Okay. All right, okay. Um, all right. It should it should have it should have been Ohio, it should have been Ohio State. It should have been Florida State, no question. Um and, and I don't want Over the argument I, and I don't want the argument that Florida State not having their starting quarterback was the reason for them to get in. I have had to. Xavier is actually with Florida State fans right now. So (laughs) they have a gun to my head. Um, (laughs) I've had to endure some absolutely terrible quarterback play in the college football playoff. Any, I I can, I I can remember it now. Uh, A young Connor Cook had to play Alabama in one of the inaugural um, college football playoffs. A, a strapping young lad by the name of Ian Book had to take on a Clemson All-Star team and got drubbed 30-3. to So I don't want to hear about quarterback play being the reason why you don't let a team in there. And I think the biggest reason as to why I have such an issue with it is because at the end of the day, this isn't, and no disrespect to these universities, but this isn't a Arizona State. This isn't a um Mississippi State this is one of or considered to be one of the bigger universities in the country when it comes to college football and for all the talk that we've heard in previous years about wanting to have the big teams in wanting to have the blue bloods for lack of a better term to you know to decide to take out one of the blue bloods in this situation one of the bigger teams in the country um just felt wrong it, it just didn't fit. It just didn't, it just didn't sit right with me. Um, and I think that's why I was so angry about the decision is ultimately, you know, I've had to, and I've had to watch some really bad teams in the college football playoff be a four seed and get in because they're a big school because they went undefeated blase blase. The terms go on and on. I mean, you, the, the committee has made more excuses for Notre Dame in the last seven years then they were able to give up, give reasons for not having FSU in just this past year. So I, I just couldn't understand why now we want to all of a sudden put the four best teams in when we all know that we all know that Notre Dame was not one of the four best teams in the country, probably either of the seasons that they got into the playoff. Do you think part of that is because so many people complained about Notre Dame not being one of the four best teams? No, personally, I think it's because this Ratings. year. No, because this year is the last year of the four playoff. 
so they can make whatever decision they wanted to clean their hands of it and realize next year there's going to be 12 teams. So they can always just say, who cares? That's what I genuinely feel. This is not, this is not a committee who has shown in its time that they genuinely want to make the tough decisions of putting the best four teams in the playoff until this year. Like, I'm sorry, but you could have made the argument. And I saw a lot of this too. That was like, well, if you're going to put the four, the four quote unquote best teams in, then does Georgia, you know, deserve a spot? And I was like, well, that's up to the committee, but I don't think they'll do it either. Um, I just, for for me, it felt a lot like this is the last year we're going to have four teams in. Let's go ahead and make a, a real ballsy decision here, guys. Um, you know, and then and then who's who, and then for all the teams who can complain, you can get there next year because we got 12, right? Uh, I think the other thing for me that I think hurt a little bit more, and this is has nothing to come from a Georgia perspective, but out of all the teams that you felt may not be able to replicate this a year from now, Florida State was at the high at the top of my list. Um, you know, Washington was probably right next to them. But when I look at everybody else, Texas, they probably get Ewers back. Uh, Bama obviously gets Milrow back. Um, you know, J.J. McCarthy may stay, but even if he doesn't, Michigan, I think, has enough talent on the defensive side of the ball that's young that they can at least be competent on that side. And let's be honest with ourselves, the Big Ten hasn't necessarily been the toughest thing in the face in the world um, as far as, you know, from top to bottom. Sorry, sorry, Big Ten. I, I, don't, mean, I don't mean to continue to crap on you, but sorry. Um, but I, I just feel like for the teams that could really replicate another undefeated season, Florida State loses the most amount of talent. That whole offense, for the most part, is gone. That vaunted defensive front is gone. Um, and so when you really look at Florida State, they are not in full rebuild next year, but it's pretty close. <laughs> it is pretty darn close when you look at how much talent they're going to lose just from this year. And Jordan Travis being another one, the fact that he doesn't have any eligibility left, so he can't even come back next year if he wanted to. Um, and so I just felt maybe – I just felt a little bit harder for them because I go – that was probably like a lot of Florida State fans probably felt like that was a destiny team. Like this is our team that's going to make the playoff, that's going to get Florida State back to being relevant at the highest level, and it all got taken away from them, swept from under their feet for a reason that they can't control. And injuries are a part of the game, man. Like we watched the national championship, Scott. You witnessed the national championship. Yeah. Your quarterback get your quarterback gets knocked out in the first quarter. Did anybody pity you on uh, uh, the rest of the year? No. No. They went, Alabama was going to beat you anyways. It didn't matter if he was in the game and Garrett Gilbert had to play the rest of those snaps. No. Like, who knows what that game looks like? And didn't like, Garrett, uh, Greg McElroy have like 50 total yards in that game? Right. Which is, <laughs> which is, I, I don't know if you've seen, if you saw some of his comments, but Greg McElroy talking about quarterback play at the highest level at any stretch is, Blasphemous coming from a guy. Oh. Who got no, it is, I mean, look, I'm sorry. This is a guy. Yes, you won big games. Sure. I can also point to about seven to 10 games in your career where you went under 200 yards and your team won by three or more scores. Yeah. You, yeah. You, look, you became the definition of a game manager. <laughs> like, right. so I, I just feel like all of the, all of the conversation around could Florida state compete? Blase, blase, blase. It's only you think if Rodemaker would have looked just really good. They would have put him in for sure. Not even a question. And that's the problem I have. If Rodemaker right. would have went into the swamp and put up 350 and three scores, then what? Then everybody's right. like, 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 for instance, if we got a if we got a Caleb Williams situation, 
then what? Then is it, oh, they deserve to get in because their backup's just as good? Then that means the team should be just as competent as well. But whatever. Well, you, you said a couple of things that that uh, that I'm glad you brought up. One, this Florida State team was – I mean, I remember this time last year. We were looking at the very early, you know, as we often do, try to sift through who's coming back, who's not. And it was like, wow, you know, Florida State, uh, they got this huge boost when uh, Jared Verse announced that he was coming back, right? And then kind of looking at everything, is like, wow, there's – I mean, they are – experienced their seniors all over the place this looks like a team that could maybe compete for a playoff spot and then they added you know some really talented guys to to solidify that position and just like all right if they if they just go out and play their way in you know win out and and you know then they're going to be a playoff team right and they did everything they were supposed to do um and and still didn't get it uh but then also one thing that that you mentioned you know the amount of guys they're going to lose on defense how about just uh, you can't win with defense (laughs) anymore i mean that was one of the more dominant defensive performances if you look at the uh the numbers from the game against louisville which louisville's pretty good offense um you know has has been productive uh they're not lsu but they are uh, you know 26th in our offensive team performance numbers, top 31, both passing and running. And Florida State was dominant uh, and found a way to win with their third string quarterback. And that's, you know, a lot of the the arguments in favor of leaving Florida State out was like, oh, well, you know, they, they struggled so much on offense uh, against Louisville. Well, one, the quarterback in the, in the quarterback play in that game. Uh, that quarterback's not going to be the one to start because Roddy Baker would be back from injury. So they'd be only down to their second team quarterback. But still, that defense, you know, was a was a championship uh, caliber defense. So all these people are saying, oh, Florida State's going to lose by 40 to Michigan or whatever. I don't think Michigan's scoring 40 <laughs> against Florida State. Uh, Michigan might score 21. So anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we will we'll settle it on the field, right? So there's going to be it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. So I think so. So what's funny? What's funny about this? Scott's been trying to wrap this up so much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, I, I even though I don't actually want it to happen, I think it would be hilarious personally to see people. Find excuses if Florida State somehow beat Georgia with a backup quarterback. Not saying it will happen, but in the event that it did, could you see the Twitter uproar if they beat a team that everybody, that a large contingency of analysts thought was a part of the four best teams in the country? It would just be, it would just be fun. It would just be fun. At that point, <laughs> you, you at that point you have no excuse as the uh, as you know um, the committee zero. Yeah, Xavier rooting for his team to lose to prove a point here. Yeah. So, well, I was going to say this is now a pro Texas podcast in full. So, yeah, we're, we're rooting for Texas the next. That's month, right. So. No, that's right. <laughs> My mom was a Washington alumni. I, I was going to say, I will be at her house during Christmas. I have to eat still. So, I cancel right. my trip. So, to if Seattle, Texas I... gets through the the 
into the the championship game. Then oh we'll yeah, then we're a full test. Michigan or Bama? Our, I was gonna say you can't yeah, root yeah, for yeah, Michigan yeah, yeah. or Bama, right? So, yeah, no, it's no, Arbonne no. and Bama. So I also, no, I also live in Austin, so like side. not trying to yeah. make myself an easy target. There you go. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah. Look, I canceled my trip to Seattle. I don't want to be in Washington for the Sugar Bowl. So uh, with all those UW fans, so I'm gonna be uh, at home. So hoping that Texas makes it to the Natty, so I can then go because it'll be like an hour away from me, which is great. So let's move on past the playoff committee. I'm, you know, I'm actually surprised we spent that little time on it. So uh, <laughs> let's go to how did the record finish up for the season, Nick, against the spreads over unders? How about our win totals? Like, how did all that end up looking now that the regular season has come to a close outside Army Navy? Uh, overall, I'm, I'm pleased. And we touched on this a, a little bit in the past, but uh, did just want to mention after the conference championship games, which were, were mostly 50 50 uh, for us, we did get our uh, Troy to cover the, the big favorite um, projection there, all three models on, on Troy to cover that came through for us. So uh, that was another positive sign, but we finished just a hair under 52%. In our team strength model, we're at 51.9%. Their talent edge is exactly the same, 51.9%. And then our PRISM model, our stats-only model, which did have a really good uh, championship week, it went 7-3, and uh, is at 52.5%. So um, I have been keeping an eye on how we compare to, to some of the other models out there, and it sounds like a lot of the uh, a lot of them really, really finished strong. So there was like right around week nine, week 10, something like that, when we, we dug into the numbers a little bit to compare. Um, almost nobody was above 50%, and, and we were, felt pretty good about that. Uh, we have moved closer and closer to 52%, but uh, some of the other projection models are definitely in the you know 51s, and I think maybe one or two of them uh, did break that 52%. So we're not best of the best just yet but we're we're in the mix we're we're right there with the the best projections that are are publicly available so i feel pretty good about that and to do it in all three models that's the first time that we've done that uh we've we've often been very good in in our uh prism model four out of the five years i've been very very pleased uh we're not going to talk about 2021 but um, you know, the talent edge model and, and the prism model the last couple of years have been a little bit disappointing, uh, but this year they, they really came through. So I'm pleased with that. Our over-unders are again for the fourth straight year on totals now. We're over 51%. We're actually at 52.2%. So for all four models and our, um, or for, for our three you know, point spread projection models and our totals projections uh to all be at 51.9 or more uh i feel quite good about and uh i'm quite pleased i mean we could go oh and 30 something in the bowls and these numbers change but uh you know the most likely of scenarios nick i'm glass half empty but come on man i I, you know it it ain't over till it's over (laughs) uh but Absolute error. Or the numbers. playoff committee will decide you have all losses. So I mean that joke. Is uh, right uh, the the absolute error numbers comparing to those models, and I'm, if you're if I'm being too vague about where those numbers are coming from, there's a guy Andrew Percival who has a, a uh, has built a table. He tweets it out 
periodically. It includes a lot of the well-known SP+, FPI, um, and then a bunch of others uh, as well. I think there's like 40 or 50 listed. Um, and I compare where our numbers are to those. And, and I think he, he looks at uh, like closing lines maybe. So because we release our projections on Tuesday, there might be a few percentage points here or there that um, don't exactly line up with, with how we would be graded. Uh, but still not going to be a, a huge change. I, I feel good about it. Uh, our absolute error on the team strength was at 12.04 this year, which I believe would be uh, either number one or number two in that list uh, when I looked at it earlier today. So I uh, feel great about that. And uh, the uh, win totals, our previous two years where we went through and, and gave an over or under on the, the regular season win total in our preseason podcast, we're over 60% both of the last two years. This year, we dipped a little bit. This was our worst year in regular season win totals. Uh, but with the Army game, uh, Army-Navy game, and, and if Army were to uh, win, we would add a loss. If Army were to lose, we would add a win to this record. Uh, but we are at 55.6%. So Still well over 50%. Phil, our, our worst year ever. Worst ever. 55.6%. Phil feel okay about it. So overall, I'm I'm happy with with how things have gone numbers-wise this year. I usually don't carve out a whole lot of time to brag, but um yeah, I I feel pretty good about it. Now we're looking ahead to bowls where last year we were 68.3% against the spread in bowl games and we've been 55% or better in four out of five seasons. Again, we don't talk about 2021. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully we'll finish strong. And, um, one of the, one of the benefits to, you know, the way we do things, we're a little better equipped to, uh, take into account things like opt-outs and, you know, transfers and, and stuff like that. Uh, it really, really paid out, you know, paid well for us, uh, in, uh, 2022 and, and hopefully that continues and, and we finish this thing strong. How weird, let me ask you, it, does the bowl season feel because of the portal, right? Uh, I mean, there were guys, we had a couple of years ago, guys start uh, to dip out of bowls because they don't want to play one more game before having to go to the combine and all that stuff, put themselves at risk for another entry. So that is completely like, that's old news, right? Mm -hmm. But the portal has so many of these guys moving around. Uh, we're going to talk, of course, extensively about bowls next week but um just your thought right now as the the i mean the portal is the most happening club in town man it, it is uh <laughs> everyone is it seems like it's like that uh rico's time is now right that dr pepper commercial right. everyone is in that portal so uh your thoughts on um that and what it's doing to these bowl games because these lines are going to shift massively because some of these guys are not playing here yeah, have have uh, you guys seen the? I, I've seen it on Instagram. The meme of adulthood is just saying, after next week things will slow down a little bit over <laughs> yeah. and over again until you die. You're right. That's that's sort of where I am because the last <laughs> couple of weeks I was like, all right, you know, regular season coming to an end. That's going to be, you know, that's it's going to be nice. Get a little bit of a breather. Championship week will be a ton of fun, but it's only a handful of games. So I'll catch my breath a little bit, and then after that. Ooh, really, I'll be able to, you know, maybe take a day off. Uh, nope, <laughs> because 
the transfer portal uh, just, you know, even before it officially opened, we were getting um, announcements of, of guys planning to enter. So uh, there has been no time off and it uh, definitely, definitely keeps me busy. But, you know, hopefully after this week, things will slow down a little bit <laughs> and uh, yeah. Then, yeah. then we'll see. But the portal, it's it's tough because, you know, just because a guy enters the portal doesn't mean he's not going to play in the bowl game. There was an example last year, a lot of Western Kentucky players, uh, big time players entered the portal, played in the bowl game. And some ended That's up so moving weird, on. Some ended up coming back. Um, I think there is quite a bit of. Do you know what the percentage uh, is? I hate to cut you I off, don't. but no, I don't. It's and it's you know, in most cases, especially at like the quarterback position, you know, guys uh, like a Dylan Gabriel, he's not officially out of of uh, like I think he he was interviewed Tuesday maybe and and said something along the lines of he wasn't hundred percent sure that he wasn't going to play in the bowl game like he did he'd had discussions with Brent Venables or something along those lines. Um, but it sounds also like maybe he's getting kind of close to making a decision on committing somewhere else. I think at that point, it's for sure you're you're not going to play for Oklahoma, right? You're going to move on. Um, I think if I were to to just make a total guess at a percentage, it's probably in the range of like 80 to 90 percent. If you're in the transfer portal, you're not going to play. Um, but there was that one example, Western Kentucky, and I'm sure there's some others as well where uh, sometimes it happens. And if a, if there's a coaching transition big time that, you know, James Madison, right? James Madison lost their coach, Kirk Signetti, moving to Indiana. Um, they've got half a dozen starters on defense in the transfer portal. I know their tight ends in the transfer portal, quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Um, but they, you know, they might they might still stick around and, and play just sort of test in the water, see, see what's out there, especially since there's not a, you know, that position has not yet been filled. There's nobody to say, Hey, if you're in the portal, you can't come back. Um, all those guys can, can kind of see what their level of interest is and, and kind of gauge that a little bit. I think there's a lot of uh, grad transfers, especially now that the, um, you know, the one-year transfer rule is, is out there. So basically any true freshman who didn't get much or any playing time, it seems like, is is uh, going in the transfer portal and, and seeing what's out there. And it seems like a, a large percentage of um, guys who graduated are, are testing the waters because they can go automatically. If you graduated, you can transfer, no problem. You don't have to sit out. It doesn't matter if it's your fourth team or whatever. Um, so I, I think that we are seeing a large percentage of people in those buckets, uh, test it. Um, and then definitely if, if your coach is in the, you know, if your coach has taken another job or got fired or, or something like that, why not, you know, why not see what's out there? Um, so I definitely understand that, but, uh, but part of the difficulty to, to your uh, initial question is, um, we don't know. And, you know, it, it's tough to really track who's in, who's out. We can make our best guess. Um, but one of the things that I've, I've learned, and I don't have hard numbers on this, but the last couple of years, it's really felt like when we do our projections, 
opt-ins, based on the opt-outs, I worry that our numbers aren't moving enough. And, you know, as I said, 68.3% against the spread last year, it worked out for us. So I have a theory. I'll try to do a little bit better job of, of tracking this uh, specifically this year. But I think the market overemphasizes guys who are not available. So I think if, uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel is, is out, all the guys at Ohio State that are, you know, accepted invites to the senior bowl might not play or, you know, transfer. They lost Cal McCord. Right. Um, and that, that line has already shifted quite a bit in Missouri's favor. It's still Ohio state. You know, they're still one of the deepest rosters in the country. You have so many talented guys. I, I think that there's a bit of an overreaction sometimes. So we're absolutely going to be on Ohio state on that game uh, projections wise. And I don't hate it because I, you know, underdogs have a really strong uh, performance record in bowl games anyway. So I have a feeling that, that we're going to see some of that as well. And I, I think there will be just some, uh, you know, the market will will sort of overcorrect, over, overreact to, to some of these announcements. Xavier, your thoughts on, you know, the transfer portal and these guys in the bowl games and all that stuff. Fire it up. Fire it up. Like I am, I, I love How jealous transfer. are you of the transfer portal? Extremely. <laughs> what? Like, you know how many people, you know how many kids in my, like, class would have loved to just be like, you know what? I'm not getting playing time here. Or, and and what I love, I think what I love, what I'm seeing from the transfer portal even more so, and I know a lot of these fan bases aren't loving these things, but I love to see it, is when a kid like Cam Ward has an amazing, has, has an above, a good year at Washington State and realizes, hey, Ohio State's quarterback situation sucks. I'm going to go find my way to a, a to one of the biggest teams in the country. If he goes to Ohio State, it's been rumored that he's ha- he's having conversations with the Buckeyes. Um, to then be able to say, not only have I had a good season, but I'm going to go somewhere I think I can have a great season and turn my draft stock into, you know, he might be a sneaky day two guy. And for day two, that's round second and third uh, for my people who aren't draft nerds like me and Scott. Um you know, or he turns to, to turning himself into a, a bona fide, you know, first round draft pick, if not one of the first quarterbacks taken off the board, right? So I, I love the kids who are doing that as well. I think that's I think that's a large part of why I'm loving this so much is you're having kids figure out, hey, I can do virtually anything with this portal, whether it be using it as a as an opportunity to advance myself or just you know move up the ranks. Um, so I love it. I wish I was a part of it. To be honest with you, there would have been a lot of there would have been a lot of Xavier Trishas transferring from from G five to P five um, after being at the G five for two. Yeah, oh for sure, I would have been I'd have been a mover and shaker. Uh, universities would have hated me for sure. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's important that this is what this is what's going on because personally I feel that if the kids the kids that right now are using the portal this way. They're not going to be able to use the portal like this for for I won't say for a very long time, but let's just let's just be honest with ourselves. Eventually, the NCAA is going to figure out a way to 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 uh, you know get after this situation and make sure that kids have to stay a year where they're at or two years where they're at to ensure that these universities don't have to continuously uh, reload. You know, seven, eight, nine. Sometimes in the case of A and M, it sounds like their entire roster. Um, you know, leaving at one time. So. 
I'm all in favor of it. I'm also also hugely in favor of kids sitting out during bowl games. Um, if 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 you do not have a reason to play a bowl game outside of pride, and you are somebody like when I look at a guy like Brock Bowers, you played the SEC championship game at sixty percent, and that's being and that's being um, probably a little bit high, to be honest with you. And you know now you're probably going to be maybe 75% by the time the Orange Bowl gets here. If you decide not to play, that's all – hey, that's cool with me, bro. Like, you've got a long future ahead of you. You've got several years in the NFL, hopefully playing at a high level in front of you. And the last thing I want you to do as a Georgia fan who you've given everything for the last three years of your life to go into a, a game that I know people are going to say means a ton, but for your personal future means very little and go hurt yourself in a game that could possibly change the way you're drafted. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm all in favor of kids protecting themselves in that way. Now, I also understand the people who are like, but they need to play. It's not a meaningless game. I hear you. I do. However, if I'm going to become a multimillionaire in about mm, four months and you're telling me that there's a risk in a game that I could possibly get significantly hurt. I, I, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I'm making that decision uh, to then put my body then on the line in that situation i'd much rather my daughter agrees with me i, I would much rather <laughs> i uh, thought she was actually the one speaking i'm much rather in favor of the kid deciding to sit out get to another you know and, and protect himself going forward so i know a lot of people aren't gonna like that opinion uh but as a former player yeah I, I, if I had if I had draft on my mind, I'd probably sit out as well. Um, but if you're a kid that, ha that is coming back next year, or you're a kid that wants to compete, like I know for a fact, I feel like a guy like Jared Verse is gonna play. Why do I feel like Jared Verse is gonna play? Because he came back to play for Florida State for a championship when he could have went to the draft last year. Kids like that just still exist. So for all means, go play. Um, but I, I don't have any problem with a kid protecting himself when money's on the line in three, four, five months. Yeah. All right. I agree. And and other people have said this, but I know that uh, Felix Sharp uh, tweeted it out uh, the last day or two, our, one of our, our uh, founders of, of Campus to Canton, um, that, you know, it's a great opportunity for if guys are moving on, we get a chance to see some of those uh, next man up type situations or, or guys who are uh, really highly recruited, who haven't had an opportunity yet to play. Um any meaningful snaps, really? Bowl games, you know, they're a, they're an exhibition for the most part, anyway. Um, so it's it's a good opportunity, and and some folks, you know, get more excited for that than um, than than just the games themselves. But a, a little bit of a glimpse in the future um, at certain positions and and uh, certain teams as well. All right, let's go over to the transfer portal itself and talk a little bit about the portal and lots of QBs, Nick, Cam Ward, Dante Moore, Will Howard, Dylan Gabriel, Riley Leonard, Kyle McCord. I uh, got run out of town at I Ohio state. Daquan Finn, DJU, Chandler Rogers, Tyler Van Dyke, Curtis Rourke. I mean, there are so many QBs in the transfer portal. Um, we have a couple that committed. Tyler Shook is going from Texas tech to Louisville. Uh, Brock Vandegrift is going from Georgia to Kentucky. Brendan Soresby is going from Indiana to Cincinnati. Max Johnson to North Carolina from Texas A&M. Max Brosmer from New Hampshire to Minnesota. And Spencer Petrus from Iowa 
to Utah State already. There are way more kids that have ent entered the transfer portal, but let's start with QBs because that is the biggest position on the field. Obviously, there's some decent decent names in here too. Um, a lot of moving and shaking, as there always is. So your thoughts on some of these QBs. Do you think all of them end up moving? And do you have any big programs that you think? I mean, I think Vandegrift going to Kentucky is pretty big for them. But uh, your thoughts on any, anything else that uh, is in the news and happening right now? Yeah, well, I mean, you were you were going down the list and and pretty much didn't even get halfway through uh, the number of starters, right? There, there are about two dozen starters um, who are currently in the transfer portal, and and there are some very big names. You know, the the. Uh, Cam Ward is ranked number one right now, according to On3. That's just the, the portal tracker that I've been using the most um, recently. But uh, Dylan Gabriel, who I've already mentioned, um, somebody who's, who's played a lot of football, has won a lot of football games, is going to be highly coveted. Both of those guys, Ward and Gabriel, it sounds like, are uh, getting interest from Oregon. I believe the last I saw, and this could change any minute. Uh, but Gabriel has already been sort of uh, linked to Oregon. Sounds like they are very much the, the leader there. Um, Ward has, I think, been – there were plenty of rumors, maybe maybe even uh, a report that, you know, Ohio State might be the team to beat there. I know there was some, uh, some buzz, some speculation that Washington could be in on him. Uh, it sounds like the most likely to end up at Washington is Will Rogers, the Mississippi State quarterback, which uh, kind of interesting uh, potentially there. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much yet to sort itself out. And there are some really interesting group of five guys like Daquan Finn and Curtis Rourke who are getting some power five interest. I believe I saw right before we started recording Finn is maybe going to be taking a visit to Wisconsin soon. I know that Rourke got an offer from Wake Forest, and and I think um, maybe somebody crystal balled him to Vanderbilt. So that, you know, both of those are kind of interesting. See if he takes the, the Power 5 route. Um, will all these guys move? I think there's a, a chance that somebody ends up back where they were. Maybe a Chandler Rogers at North Texas. Um, you know, is, is he really going to get a, a better offer, a power five offer or something like that? Um, uh, but yeah, probably for the most part, I mean, Braden Schrager at Hawaii entered the transfer portal, uh, just a little bit before we started recording to me, I'm not sure he's going to get a ton of, of, uh, you know, power five interest. Maybe he wants to move a little closer to home and, and go the, the, group of five route to a team in Texas or, or, you know, somewhere uh, closer there to, to where he grew up. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think that for the most part, these guys are, are on the move. It sounds like Riley Leonard, all signs are pointing to, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Notre Dame for him. Um, it sounds like Grayson McCall, the, the coastal Carolina quarterback, uh, took a visit to NC State, and I think is supposed to visit UCF. Either of those are, are kind of interesting to me. Um, Aiden Childs is not even a, a starter, but a highly, you know, regarded 
uh, true freshman at Oregon State. He is uh, sounds like an overwhelming likelihood. He ends up following Jonathan Smith from Oregon State to Michigan State. Um, so it's 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 going to be really interesting to see how you know when the musical chairs uh, end up working themselves out when the music stops. Where is everybody? Dante Moore, maybe Michigan sounds like the most likely as we record. Kyle McCord, I think, is Nebraska. The last I heard, uh, getting a visit. So I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there will be plenty of surprises, but uh, as of right now, there's there's a lot left to be figured out. So you know, seeing Tyler Shuck go to Louisville, that that makes a certain amount of sense. Um, hopefully, he'll be able to have a fully healthy season. Uh, but I know a lot of the folks in the, the CFF college fantasy football community are excited about that. Louisville, pretty good uh, landing spot for for uh, you know Jeff Brom offense uh tyler shuck somebody who's uh had a lot of high expectations in that texas tech offense which we expected a lot of uh production from and it hasn't just quite worked out because he's been uh hurt the last couple of years um and then there's you know some names that that we're gonna have to learn max brosmer was the fcs leader in passing yards probably not a lot of folks who listen to us know very much about uh you know the new hampshire Wildcats uh, and, and Brosmer and, and his performance there, but sounds like he's got a really good shot to be a starter uh, in the Big Ten next year at Minnesota. So, and a blast from the past, Petra Petrus was coaching this year, right? He was he was like a student assistant or something at Iowa, um, but he's at Utah State, which is you know kind of interesting. I, I wonder if he's going to have a chance to to start. Uh, we'll we'll see, but. Um, a lot yet to be determined, but but plenty of interesting options out there and, and definitely some experienced and, and talented players. Didn't even mention Will Howard. Sounds like USC's in the mix for him, which, uh, as we know, is a, a pretty good spot for quarterback. So uh, plenty of time to discuss all these guys, speculate a, a little bit about where they end up, but uh, also really start to dig in once we once we start to see some of these pieces fall into place. Xavier, your thoughts on some of these quarterbacks moving and, um, I mean, seems like that Riley Leonard deal to Notre Dame is already wrapped up, and I, that that's what I'm most excited for. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're most excited for the people at the top of this, right? Um, wherever Cam Ward goes, they're going to get one of the more dynamic kids in college football. Um, but I'm excited for where Dante Moore decides to hang his hat. Um, he's got three years of eligibility left, so he's going to have an opportunity to wherever he goes to make a career-sized impact uh, on, on where he absolutely ends up. So I, I'm excited for that. It does look like Gabriel's leaning towards Oregon. Um, I think that'd be perfect for him after seeing how they handled Bo Nix's career. So really excited for guys like that. I'm even excited for guys like DJU, who I think could use. Um, I feel like last year he just got his confidence back. I think that was a big thing for him. We talked about it in the preseason last year. I thought – you know, going to a school the size of Clemson had really kind of put a damper on what was a five-star kid coming out of St. John Bosco. And I think he needed, even though he didn't have the greatest statistical year, I think he earned the trust from a friend, from a organization, organization, from a university, a university and a fan base that, you know, watched that kid, you know, grow up and realize, okay, like I can still play at this level, quote unquote. Um, I like Will, wherever Will Howard goes, they're going to get a gamer. I love Will Howard. I thought um, at Kansas State, obviously, got, got his opportunities um, the year before last year um, in, in some spot duty. I really like the kid and really like what he brings to the table. So 
I, I really think he could, you know, be a big impact wherever he ends up. Tyler Van Dyke's one of those ones who I'm like, I'll be watching very closely where he goes. Uh, because I think for a lot of people, the, the draft train has been off the tracks for Tyler Van Dyke. But I am of the mindset that if this kid ends up, let's say he replaces Will Rogers at Mississippi State and has an above average year, you might find your way into talking about him, you know, a year from now. I just I just really feel like not everybody's off of the train. Uh, but speaking of Will Rogers, he he's going to be a, it's going to be a fun get for him. Whoever gets him, I think this year, unfortunately for, for, for Mississippi State, I feel like the the passing of Mike Leach just kind of put a gray crowd, gray cloud over that whole team this year. Um, and also Will wasn't 100 percent at times this year. But this is a guy who came in. I think we had him as one of the best, if not top two or three returning quarterbacks in the SEC this year. Uh, so I think realistically you give him another opportunity to uh, I think you give him an opportunity, a genuine opportunity. He could flourish wherever he goes. Um, I think he's just that good of a passer. Um, and so I'll be excited to see what he does in a new system. Um, other than that, um, hmm. I kind of want to see what Kyle McCord ends up doing now that the pressure of being an Ohio State quarterback is off his shoulders. Um, like I said with DJU, when you go to schools of that size, you go to schools of that magnitude, you are under not one microscope, but 100,000 microscopes. Um, and when arguably, arguably, people will look at the fact that they didn't make the playoff and they will point directly at him, even though I thought he played a decent game against Michigan. I know he threw a pick. I, I understand that. I know he wasn't the greatest, but I thought he played a good enough game for them to win the game. When you leave a school like that, if he ends up at a school that's just just marginally smaller, you're talking about a kid that still, I think, has a ton of talent in him um, and has an opportunity to, 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 like I said, kind of like I said with DJU, has an opportunity there to make, to, to get his confidence back. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just kind of the byproduct of college football. When you're at a big school, it, it, it sucks when you're not, you know, giving the, giving the, giving the plaudits that you maybe deserve. I mean, Nick on this podcast talked about Kyle McCord played a pretty darn good season towards the back half of the year. Uh, it just wasn't to the level of some of his predecessors. You know, when you're trying to replace C.J. Stroud, who at the same time in the NFL was going through MVP conversations, and you're, you know, a you know, in, you know, a junior in college, it it sucks. <laughs> just you know, hey, you know, we lost an MVP. Now look at what we've got. Like that's just unfair for a kid who's you know 18, 19 years old. So, or in his case, twenty. So, yeah. Well, and one thing that that we should mention also, uh, if if we didn't, that guys like Cam Ward, guys like DJ Wingle, maybe one or two others in their announcements, uh, which I know a lot of us probably don't read every word of those announcements. I know I don't. Uh, mentioned that they're evaluating NFL draft in addition to the portal. Yeah. So there might be uh, you know one or two of these guys that that do say, you know what, yeah, we're just gonna focus on on preparing for the draft and and in that case uh best of luck to him but but uh hope hope we get to see another year as always uh that's always my hope get to see another year of uh college football from these guys because i had no idea cj stroud was getting any sort of mvp buzz i yeah. heard some heard <laughs> yeah. some good things that he's off to a good start but that's he's almost locked up rookie of the year i mean yeah I about three weeks ago he it. was yeah. like what like fifth or sixth on the MVP ladder. Like people were really giving that kid like news to me. I, so 
Um, might take the Texans to the playoffs. So that, that which is really honestly, that's also news to me. Yes, right. which is a feed right. in they're, right. out, they're out by like a half a game or percentage yep. points or matchup or something got hurt right for now. The Jags, so there's a chance. Yeah, and Kenny Pickett got hurt for the Steelers, and the yeah. Browns are in there with Joe Flacco, uh, and the Bengals don't have Joe Burrow. So yes, I mean yeah. it is a good chance. Yeah, it's been a blood bla- It's been a bloodbath at quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's this uh, has I been started, Nick learning a little NFL. <laughs> I started my uh war room podcast uh actually today, it just oh, uh, nice. dropped uh over it in this league on, on our um feed there, our, our fantasy football feed. And uh, we were talking QBs, and I was going through the teams that needed QBs. I had eight teams that after free agency have starters and backups that do not need anything, every other team needs at least a backup, and I had 10 that can use a starter. So um, there's a lot of QB movement. I mean, somebody's going to get Kirk Cousins as a free agent, but there's nobody else that is like a starter level unless you want Ryan Tannehill starting for your team. So uh, NFL Draft is going to have a lot of guys. Uh, what about the non-QB position guys here, Nick? We've got uh, Trey Moore, the edge, had a UTSA, entered the portal. Rocket Sanders from Arkansas, the running back. Marcus Carroll, the running back from Georgia State, both two studs. Monroe Mills from Texas Tech. Joey Slackman from... Uh, Penn, the defensive lineman, Ethan Miner from uh, North Texas, the O-lineman, Juice Wells, wide receiver from uh, South Carolina, and a bunch of other guys that are in the transfer portal. So who stands out to you here? And is it is it more or less likely that non-quarterback positions are going to move? I think you answered this already, and it's less likely. But uh, do you think most of these guys are moving on from their programs? Yeah, I think I think most will. I think there might be a, a group of five guy here or there that, you know, entered the portal. Uh, maybe their coach left or something like that, or maybe a bunch of the teammates left, and and they look around and and maybe the offers that they thought they were going to get just don't materialize, and they end up coming back. Uh, we saw last year there were plenty of rumors. I, I think this is probably true probably not a surprise to anybody but Grayson McCall it sounded like had some academic issues because he entered the transfer portal ended up coming back uh, to Coastal Carolina now I believe in theory he's a, a graduate so he would move on perhaps there's a scenario like that with with one or two guys where you know the the credits don't transfer or, or whatever the deal is um, that necessitates them coming back I know there was uh uh, Mark uh, uh, Nealon, the, the defensive lineman for Western Michigan, like committed to Colorado pretty early on, ended up back at Western Michigan. Not sure if that was a, a academic issue or not, but those those sort of things uh, I think sometimes happen and, and wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, a few names here or there um, end up back where they were. But uh, most guys are probably going to move on. I mean, Trey Moore has just been an absolute dominant force at UTSA the last couple of years. So expect that he's going to get some power five interest and, and perhaps that's going to help uh, set him up a little more uh, NFL draft wise in, in a year or two. Rocket Sanders has, has been, uh, you know, he's a preseason all American type guy this year deal dealt with several different injuries. Um, but a lot of his, Teammates, former teammates in Arkansas have already announced their intentions to transfer, including KJ Jefferson. I don't think Jefferson's officially in, but um, but he was somebody that announced, you know, prior to the, the portal or was reported or whatever. Um, but it, it, I, I would say that the vast majority of these guys are, are probably going to move. 
Um, Sanders, the last I saw, was maybe taking a visit to South Carolina. I think there's a, a connection there with the offensive coordinator uh, at uh, South Carolina. Um, his ties to Arkansas, so a couple of Arkansas guys. Jefferson was was mentioned as a possibility there. Uh, Marcus Carroll, Georgia State running back, who we know well, um, I saw was expected to take a visit to Missouri. That's kind of an interesting one. Um, there's been there's been some uh, it's been a real checkered history uh, on FC or not FCS uh, group of five guys transferring up to the Power Five level as far as making a major impact. Uh, we've seen you know Juice Wells in 2022 had an excellent season going from James Madison to, to South Carolina. Uh, Tez Walker, once he was finally able to play this year, had a great year. But there have been plenty of guys who have been a little bit disappointing or, or sort of uh, didn't end up, you know, earning even a starting spot when, when we thought that they were going to be a star potentially. So uh, that's always a little bit of a concern. But Missouri, I mean, Cody Schrader was a Division II player and ended up being one of the best running backs in the country this year. So who's to say that Marcus Carroll couldn't follow a similar path and be just as good in, in that offense. But um, there's some really interesting names and, and it's maybe, you know, fewer household names uh, by a guy that really jumped out to me on this list, Dericky Wright, defensive back at Vanderbilt, really good football player, uh, makes a lot of plays, is, is kind of, you know, a bigger uh, safety, so you imagine can move him around a, a defense pretty well. Really interested to see where he ends up. Um, a player that probably not a lot of folks know, Thor Griffith, defensive lineman for Harvard. Sounds like he's not even the most highly sought after defensive lineman coming out of the Ivy League. You mentioned Slackman. Uh, he's got like 100 offers or something by, by this point. But Griffith was a uh, Bruce Feldman freaks list guy. Um, and has had a really, really great career at Harvard. So you're gonna you're gonna see some names, you know, moving from the FCS up or, or you know, group of five up that, that maybe you didn't know, but also just some of these positions that get a little overlooked. To a guy like Wright, who's been a really, really good player at Vanderbilt. Uh, Upton Stout, cornerback at Western Kentucky, he's been a big time playmaker. Um, interested to see, you know, what sort of opportunities present themselves for him. R.J. Oban at Duke. There have been a lot of uh, Duke players uh, entering the transfer portal after Mike Elko left. Um, I thought that he had accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl. Maybe I mis misread that. But, um, you know, he's somebody that, that's getting a lot of interest. And then, you know, some, some guys who've been playmakers. Uh, we've already seen Chris Mitchell, a highly productive wide receiver from a not-all-that-great FIU offense. Uh, is committed to Notre Dame. Notre Dame, to me, looks like a team that's really, you know, especially if Riley Leonard ends up going there, which it sounds like is is pretty much a done deal. Um, Notre Dame, I think, is going to be heavily invested in the transfer portal. Uh, and Mitchell is is one of those guys. They added a, a starter from Arizona State on defense as well. Um, but I would expect to hear Notre Dame in the mix for a lot of these players. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see where guys like Chris Mitchell or, you know, a Colin Lacey, who's been a really fun player at South Alabama, are they going to be able to, you know, take their game? Uh, will it translate to the Power Five level at, at some of these, you know, blue blood or, or elite type programs? Um, are they going to be the same type player or are they going to be 
uh, you know, passed over for playing time from a, a highly rated recruit coming in or, or, or somebody who was already on the roster who was uh, more highly regarded coming out of high school. So uh, a lot to be figured out for sure, but we're going to definitely see some of these names and in, in some really, really uh, interesting places. And then um, we'll have plenty of time to discuss, you know, are, are they going to be big time playmakers at a, at a new spot over the next several months? Xavier, your thoughts on the non-QB guys in the transfer portal? Who are you most excited to see potentially land? Is there anyone that hasn't even had a rumor yet that you're like, man, this guy would fit perfectly at this school or anything? Um, I mean, even though I don't necessarily know if he'll actually leave, I love the smoke coming out of the uh, the Evan Stewart camp um, about what's, what, what happened at A&M um, and everything that maybe should have happened at A&M monetarily. Uh, but all in all the shame, things, all the things that Jimbo may have promised him uh, that didn't happen. Maybe a couple, maybe a couple million dollars didn't get exchanged there. Um, but I, I just, you know, I think this one, I don't think he's one. He, I don't know if he has draft eligibility for this year, uh, but that's a kid that he's a true sophomore, Stuart. Right. You know, if you really want to just, you know, go have some fun. I mean, want to come to Georgia. Hey, you know, you know, we love you, love you. but genuinely I'd love him to go to Missouri um, and him and Luther Burden just terrorize secondaries for a year um, as they both take their draft stock through the roof. Um, both of them are similar players, both of them about the same size. So you get two of them. Uh, it can be a fun, just fun year to watch Missouri play football. And George doesn't have to play Missouri next year, so we're good. Um, <laughs> I think Julian Fleming is a big one to me. Um, and the reason why is because that he probably was the highest – one of the highest touted receivers to go to Ohio state over the last four to five years. Uh, he just didn't work out there for whatever reason, uh, whether it was injuries, which it seemed like it was a lot of, or, uh, you know, just wasn't, you know, didn't fit the mode in which they were looking for Julian Fleming. I believe and I, I, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure Julian Fleming was a higher rated player coming out of high school than Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he was the highest rated wide receiver recruit, if not ever by two, four, seven sports, like, He's up there. Yeah, he, he was yeah. up. I mean, like, he was he was a 100 rated player. He was the. I don't know anything player. about recruiting, and I remember Julian. Right. Yeah, yeah. Same. Same. So, <laughs> he was the number one kid in his class. Um, he was the fourth recruit overall, number one receiver coming out in 2020, ahead of his teammate Jackson Smith and Jigba. He was one of I think 247 has only given out this rating for a receiver, maybe. A handful of times he was a 100 rated receiver coming out of high school this is a kid that should have that, that should have went to ohio state been marvin harrison jr been the first receiver taken off the board this year and nobody would have batted an eye and it just didn't work out at ohio state and i still think he has the talent as long as he's healthy and if you're telling me he goes to a team with a competent quarterback next year you know that's a kid right there that could absolutely tear up college football and everybody would be like, ah, there's a Julian Fleming I remember seeing in high school. Like, he just has that kind of potential left um, as long as he stays healthy. Go, w- watch him go to Oregon and team up with Dylan Gabriel. Uh, right? We've got some Penn State folks at, at C2C. I know mm-hmm. uh, Colin and Ethan are, are mm-hmm. have brought up that uh, Fleming, I believe it was down to Ohio State and Penn State. At the, yes. at the end, I think he might have even been committed to Penn State at one point. Uh, so there's there's maybe some hope there that he'll be able to sort of recapture some of the magic if, oh. if he were to, to go back and, and you know, 
go back. Uh, Congratulations. Make, make, yeah, yeah. Make, uh, get a second yeah. chance there. Congratulations uh, to him for sure. Um, and Drew Aller could use a number one. So there you go. Another big one for me is Andrew Makuba. Uh, the kid was a, a monster at Clemson. I mean, he's going to – he's going to – I would love to see him go to Notre Dame. Uh, and maybe that's because Marcus Freeman is a defensive guy. Maybe that's because of the respect I've had for a lot of the safeties that have gone through there. Julian Love, Kyle Hamilton, just to name a couple. You know, um, Brandon Joseph also. So I would love to see him go there and – and, and ball out in a defense where I feel like the last couple of years, I feel like he just wasn't playing the brand of football. Maybe he wanted to, maybe that was just because of Clemson going on a downturn as a whole, but I just feel like he wasn't one. Um, oh, Walter Nolan. How can I forget? Uh, of course, wherever Walter Nolan goes, I, I just hope everybody's ready for like a six and a half sack year from that kid. He's an animal. <laughs> he's, he's a beast. Uh, he was obviously the number one kid in this class. He was a part of the the, the vaunted A and M class that you know, quote unquote, was paid for. You know, a Jimbo teller, he didn't pay a dime. You know, I think he has two years of eligibility left. I'm pretty sure, um, and he's going to be somebody that goes much like people were at USC were excited for Bear Alexander coming to them last year. Whoever he lands with is going to be stoked beyond belief. Uh, so, uh, and then lastly, for me, going back to Clemson, uh, Toriano Pride. One of the best mm-hmm. freshman corners in the country. I mean, he, he's he's great. He just played behind some some really draftable guys and Nate Wiggins and company. So he didn't really get to see the field uh, like that. But the kid can play. You, I mean, if Clemson, Clemson might have down years, but they still seem to put out good corners. Or my daughter would agree. I there think you go. wherever he goes, he's going to be really really good. You mentioned both of those Clemson guys, and and we got we have some smart people at C two C. I think you guys should know. <laughs> uh, Nate Marquise was mentioning in the the Slack the other day that uh, you know both of those Pride and and Makuba uh, started out great, recruited by Venables, got a lot of playing time as freshmen. Venables leaves their their level of play. Uh, you know, not not quite as good. Uh, both potentially could be fits at Oklahoma. Reunite with Venables. Um, that would be that would be kind of interesting. And then going through the list one more time, uh, a couple of names jumped out at me that that I did want to mention. Uh, a couple of I think uh, high impact potential or, or high ceiling receivers. Um, Dion Burks at Purdue got off to a really, really strong start this year, kind of tailed off a little bit. I think he was dealing with some injury stuff. Um, and then Purdue just wasn't very good. Uh, that, that kind of started to, to hurt his ability to make plays. Um, and then Donovan McCulley, I was, I was impressed toward the end of the season, got to see him a little bit, uh, former quarterback. I know Austin Nace at C2C was really high on him as a, a high school player and, and thought he had potential at quarterback, ends up making a tra- uh, transition to wide receiver. And so far it's it's going pretty well. He's a big target and is getting some big time offers. I know Penn State, Michigan, I think earlier today was one I saw. So uh, both of those guys, I think, are, are potentially the type of receivers who um, maybe aren't the most well-known names right now, maybe don't have the greatest, uh, you know, stat line yet, uh, but could be end up, you know, could, could be major impact receivers, uh, at a, at a new spot in, in 2024. 
Well, one that does, and I, I can't believe I didn't mention the kid because I love watching him play, except for when he plays Georgia State. But Colin Lacey out of South Alabama. Oh my! You talk about production. Ninety-one mm-hmm. yards. Thir- sorry, ninety-one catches. Thirteen hundred yards. As a five-ten corner, I tip my cap to you, sir. As, as from from hashtag short receivers. Uh, this is what we do. Um, but in the last one, and, and I think Scott will perk up when I give this kid kind of a comp. And yes, it's because they went to the same school. But I think Kyle Kennard out of Georgia Tech is what was was Keon White in a very in a similar frame. Um, you know, I, I think he could add more weight. Obviously, Keon came in at like a ridiculous weight. Um, Kyle Kennard's not nearly as oh. as heavy, but I think that guy, after having six sacks at Georgia Tech this year, could be poised for one of those double digit sack years at a high at a high uh, major school. Um, and you're looking at a kid who, you know. Is gonna not be on draft boards to start the year and could find himself very much there by the end of this year, by the end of next year. All right, let's go over to some of the coaching changes that have already happened as well. Uh, still some to go, but we saw Jonathan Smith go from Oregon State to Michigan State, Mike Elko go from Duke to Texas AM, of course, Kurt Signetti from James Madison to Indiana, Willie Fritz from Tulane to Houston. We had a couple promotions. Spencer Danielson was promoted to head coach of Boise State. Trent Bray promoted to head coach at Oregon State. David Braun at Northwestern. And Jay Sawwell, Sawwell uh, to uh, be the head coach at Wyoming. Um, we had a couple other hires. Jeff Levy hired by Mississippi uh, to be their OC. Sean Lewis hired by San Diego State. Derek Mason hi- hired by Middle Tennessee. Jeff Choate hired by uh, Nevada. Bronco Mendenhall to New Mexico. Fran Brown to Syracuse, uh, Bryant Vincent to ULM, and Scotty Walden uh, to UTEP. We still have Duke, James Madison, and Tulane open. So, and I don't know why I said OC. I think it's because it was in the notes. Jeff Levy is the head coach at, at Mississippi State. Um, your your thoughts on some of these hires? Do you have any particular favorites? Anyone that you can't believe that you just go, what is happening here? Or anything <laughs> like that, Nick? I know you're not big on the controversial opinions, but I would love to hear one if you have one. So. Well, I've, I've, I think I've learned my lesson for the most part. And, and the, <laughs> the example that I come back to, and this is, this predates our show, but I remember being adamant that Dabo Sweeney getting, getting promoted at Clemson was just a horrible <laughs> hire. And I'm not the hugest, or, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge Debo Sweeney fan, but um, I can't deny that he was a home run hire. Uh, so I've, I've, kind of cooled it a little bit on giving that gut reaction uh, that, that this is a, a home run. I've also on the other end of things, you know, thought that Scott Frost, and this might've been even on our show, it might've been a little early. I don't know. Scott Frost in Nebraska, home run, absolute home run hire. Uh, and of course we know how that worked out. So um, I've, I've cooled a little bit on, on giving opinions quite that strong, but I will say that of this group, Jonathan Smith going to Michigan State is probably the best case scenario for Michigan State. Somebody who, you know, potentially was going to be available, uh, you know, to to get Jonathan Smith, a guy who um, was able to to really really raise the level of of play on the field. I mean, he took over. Oregon State was the worst Power Five team in the country. Um, was just in a horrible situation, uh, and he revitalized them, built them 
you know, steadily into one of the teams that you just don't want to have to play. Um, and, you know, Michigan State could be that. Uh, they, they definitely could be that type of program where, you know, they're not going to out-recruit their biggest rivals, um, but they could probably recruit really good players and develop them into a, a really, really uh, tough team to beat. And, you know, I, I think Michigan State uh, got a little bit fortunate that the Pac-12 imploded around Oregon State. Um, to be able to get Jonathan Smith at a, a point where uh, Oregon State was more vulnerable and, and he was willing to leave his alma mater. He might have been willing to leave anyway. I don't know. Um, but I bet the the situation made it a little easier for him. And then Mike Elko seems like a great hire. You know, has familiarity with Texas A&M. Uh, not a, a super sexy name, um, but the job that he did at Duke is – I mean, incredible, the turnaround where they looked like the worst Power 5 team in the country, uh, you know, two years ago, a little over two years ago when he took over, immediately made them competitive. Um, you know, Riley Leonard certainly had some to do with that, but uh, Elko, the the way that he uh, just sort of rejuvenated that program as quickly as he did when it looked like they took a, a real turn for the worse at the very, very end of the uh, David Cutcliffe era. Um, and, and going back to a place where he was familiar, had a really great defense at Texas A&M uh, during his tenure there. He's familiar with the program, hired Colin Klein to call the plays, one of the more highly regarded uh, offensive coordinators, got him to leave his alma mater to, to go to Texas A&M. So uh, on paper, those two look like, you know, the, the best chance uh, or at least best case scenario for those programs. And, of course, we didn't even – get it through all the, the drama of where it looked like Mark Stoops was going to A&M for uh, about 12 hours or whatever it was uh, before things worked out to, to get to Elko. But um, otherwise, I mean, there's a lot of, of uh, we'll see, I think. Um, among the, the, you know, the rest of this list, uh, one, I have to say that David Braun, who is, the big 10 coach of the year <laughs> um, for the job he did as, as interim head coach there at Northwestern uh, inheriting a really, really difficult situation. Um, have to think that, that there's a chance that he'll be able to, to uh, you know, do well there. Not sure that Northwestern still has as much more room to grow, but he obviously did a great job in, in tough circumstances this year. But I think my favorite hire, and it's maybe that the, the second most difficult job on the list. ULM's the toughest job. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion ULM is going to be our 133rd ranked team, 134th ranked team. No, <laughs> Kansas State's going to be 134th, 133rd ranked <laughs> team next year. Uh, ULM uh, is probably the toughest, but Bronco, Men Bronco Mendenhall going to New Mexico. Um, and we talked about UTEP and New Mexico State, uh, New Mexico a little bit last week. Couldn't help myself. Um, those are some really, really tough jobs, but Jerry kill the job that he's done at New Mexico state, I think kind of lit a, you know, lit a fire a little bit under, uh, their, their closest rivals, UNM and, and UTEP, uh, UNM went with the complete opposite direction of Dana Dimmel getting a young energetic. I mean, they put this in the tweet when they tweeted it out, we hired Scotty Walden, uh, a young 
energetic offensive mind. Um, and that's basically the opposite of, of Dana Dimmel. But then New Mexico State kind of went in a little bit of an opposite direction as well, getting an established head coach, a guy who was one um, and, you know, stepped away from a pretty good job, had done a, a good job at Virginia after challenging himself to move from BYU where he'd done a really good job there. Uh, Brocko Brockman, Hall can, can coach um, and he knows the West. Uh, I think he's going to be able to tap into his connections from his time at BYU. Uh, so be able to re- recruit a lot of the same type players, you know, Western-based players, uh, connections, of course, to uh, the LDS church and, and the Polynesian community as well. I think uh, we're going to see a, a lot of those connections uh, really start to show up in force in New Mexico. And, and I think they'll have an opportunity to, to be uh, – potentially much better, uh, you know, not, not too far in the future. So um, really interested in, in those and, and, you know, Sean Lewis going to San Diego state seems like a good hire at a really great job. San Diego state should be uh, a dominant group of five program, um, but they just haven't been able to, to capitalize really. Uh, and they've they've been a, a team that's been kind of boring to watch. Good defenses for the most part, terrible offenses, and that should not be the case with Sean Lewis in in charge. I mean, they had some really really fun offenses at Kent State. Um, even though things got a little weird halfway through the season at Colorado, started great for for his play calling uh, in Boulder. So uh, there's some there's some really interesting hires. Fran Brown, really respected uh, recruiter, gets a, a big jump from position coach at Georgia, but knows the area really well, is from New Jersey, coached also at Temple and, and Rutgers. Um, his press conference, I don't know if you guys saw any uh, clips from that or, or saw it, but uh, definitely won the press conference, Fran Brown. So um, I have no idea if any of these are going to work out. But I think for the most part, you know, there, there's some there's some really good head coaches. There's some uh, really intriguing, uh, unproven head coaches. And, and there are some people taking off some really difficult jobs, uh, specifically Brian Vinson at ULM, Scotty Walden at UTEP. That uh, I mean, even, you know, Jeff Choate at, at Nevada, um, that that has proven to be a tough job. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if any of these uh, guys are able to turn some difficult situations into some good ones really quick. And then we'll see what the you know high end upside of a Kirk Signetti at James Madison. He he uh, I don't know about the press conference, but he won the, the basketball game introduction where he stood on the court and said Purdue sucks. And so does Michigan and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you won a lot of games, buddy, but but you're at Indiana now. So uh, we'll see how that works out. Yeah, um, maybe you know. Look, he's getting the people excited. All right, yeah, that's that's yeah. part of his job. Maybe so. a little too excited, in my opinion, but we'll see. Hey, look, he, more he's, excited he better than I do. You know, Troy can, Aikman. Can you be overly excited? I mean, you've got to still be cautiously optimistic there, right? Like, even with him talking the way he was. 
Well, you would think, uh, you know, seeing Indiana's history that you would be cautiously, cautiously optimistic, but yeah. and all his best kid. players are in the portal. <laughs> yeah, kids, are kids. They're gonna they're gonna have too high expectations uh, yeah. anywhere they go, especially when they're at the college. But and Troy Aikman is like, are they still playing football in Indiana? And he got crushed. I mean, people yeah, he came did. after him. Yeah, he did for that. But um, I see so. Xavier, your thoughts about some of these coaching uh, moves? Do you have a favorite one or one that you are really excited to see if it works out? Or maybe one you're excited to see if it ends up all coming down and fire. going up in flames? Um, Fran Brown won me over with the press conference, period. I mean, when, when when he looked at the AD and he was like, I came to Syracuse to win ball games, And because the man to my left gave me a large sum of money. I was like, we're in. I was like, this is my guy. This guy holds no punches. He's going to tell the truth. He's going to be factual with the things he says. I'm here for it. Um, love Derek Mason getting an opportunity again to coach. Um, felt like kind of the back half of his Vanderbilt tenure was just marred in just people having unnecessary expectations at Vanderbilt. Um, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, Jeff Levy at Mississippi State. I'm all for it. I'm all for Mississippi State having explosive offenses um, and playing absolutely no defense. Perfect. Um, it's that That is their purpose in the SEC is to have explosive offenses. And every four years, they'll have a team that ends up in the top 10. That is their job, um, whether it be Dak Prescott or Nick Fitzgerald. Um, I want to hate on the Mike Elko to A&M situation purely because they, they didn't bring my boy Stoops in there, um, who is just Mike Elko, but older. But, hey, you know, do what you want, A&M fans. If he's fired in three years, it's just another buyout, right, guys? It's another buyout. It is what it is. <laughs> um, but um, if I get to the more pick in the in the, in the head, first year head coaches draft, I'm taking Willie Fritz. Um, not only do I believe that Houston could have been better this year, um, heck, they almost took down Texas. They should have been better this year. Um, and I think that what he's done at Tulane, which is not only my uncle's alma mater, but runs in the family. Um, I think he can replicate that at Houston, especially with him being in the Big 12. I think the Big 12 is more open than it's ever been now that Texas and Oklahoma is gone. And I think Houston has a void to fill um, in some respects. So, yeah, if I get the first prop, the first pick in the draft, give me Willie Fritz because uh, he's going to be, you know, that, that's that's an easy one for me for sure. We we will put that theory to the test because I think we will have the first pick in the draft when, when the time comes. <laughs> And all Willie Fritz has done, all, all Willie Fritz has done is one. I mean, at every every stop, and he's he's climbed the whole ladder. Started his first head coaching job was in junior college, I think. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that 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 was that was definitely a a, a fun hire, a, a great hire. Uh, one thing that popped in my head, I've I've thought this before. I don't know if I've ever said it out loud, but you know how how we have like heirs in you know oh they're a rockefeller or oh they're a vanderbilt or whatever the you know they were yeah. they were in the railroad business right old money and all this <laughs> stuff you think in two or three generations they'll be like oh yeah you know his great-grandfather was jimbo fisher uh yes 100 percent thousand percent yeah yeah especially yeah. if they invest well I mean that that type of wealth can go on for many generations. And knowing well. that family, they will have another person named Jimbo. Well, and that's just an example. Yeah. I mean, it'll be like you know Nick Saban's great grandchildren. Well, sure, the bunch of them. But they'll be yeah. like, yeah, you know, they'll they, be like they, old oil men as old ball coaches, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They're, they're already so they're, they're already sizing up Kirby's son 
to either to go to Georgia. He's like 10. He 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 works out with the team uh to start to start pregames. His nickname is Buddy Smart. I wouldn't be surprised at all if in 30 years, and if he does actually play at Georgia in 30 years, he was the incumbent. It was just his team. Um, Buddy Smart. I mean, that, and I know Kirby Smart's dad was a South Georgia mm-hmm. football coach, mm-hmm. but Buddy Smart sounds like a South Georgia football coach. Yes. Like, right? I mean, I yes. guess you can be a SEC. I mean, Jimbo Fisher is an SEC football coach, but man, Buddy Smart <laughs> should be at like Crisp County or, or Dooley County. Oh, or first. Like that. <laughs> yeah. He goes from Colquitt, runs the table at Valdosta for 25 years. Yeah. Yes. Drives around yeah. in his own golf cart. Absolutely. So, all right. I think we did it. That's the transfer portal. <laughs> That's the, the coaching carousel. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, a nice small breakdown of what happened with the playoff committee that will definitely not be talked about for years and years and years after this. So, um, well, and this, I'm sure will be the only time we talk about transfer portal and, and, yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, transfer portal's done after this, right? They don't, right, they don't right. allow them to do it anymore. Yeah, that so. wasn't just the first month, week it was open. <laughs> don't worry, Nick. You'll catch up next week. So uh, it's going to all calm down next week. Looking you know, forward to it. Be good. So, <laughs> <laughs> like you said before, but remember, you can follow us all on Twitter at campus the number two Canton for campus to Canton, who hosts this show at Bogman Sports for myself at CFB Winning Edge. For Nick at Xavier underscore Tristier I C H E on the Twitter machine for all of us. That is going to wrap it up. We will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody.